With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Anonymous Eagle podcast. My name is Patrick Leary. I'm joined, as always, by Sam Newberry. And Sam, I think if there's one thing that we can learn from this week, it's that Marquette is either really lucky or really good. Why not both? Why not both? Um, I think uh, my thoughts, which were a little bit adrenaline-fueled uh, adrenaline at the time, um, were that good teams win close games. Um, I think that that oversimplifies the amount of luck that Marquette received this past week, um, especially against Creighton. Um, I do feel like that played out against Seton Hall, though, um, that in the end, the better team played better in the last two minutes and won the game. Um, you know, say what you will about the Creighton game, probably will Marquette will never win a more improbable game as long as Steve Wojciechowski's the coach. But I, if I had to say one thing about this week, and we'll dive into it a little bit more as we get going here, it's that um, Marquette, um, and this on the strength of their team as a whole, of Marcus Howard, of experienced guys like Sam Hauser, um, got over the line in two games they needed to get over the line in, and came out the other side uh, looking pretty pretty solid especially in a big east that is really eating itself yeah i mean it sucks that you need 53 points from marcus howard at creighton to beat creighton this year um and and some potential help from the officials on what may or may not have been a good three-point basket yeah see i hate all the hindsight that's going in to that sam hauser shot um if you looked at the video at the time the motion of his arm was such that you couldn't really tell whether his hand was on the ball. So calling it good on the court and upholding it as a result was the right decision. I'm sorry if like photographers took a shot of the release and cons- and it could show that it was clearly late. Like, great. The refs don't get the benefit of flash photography develop- or, uh, you know, uploaded like an hour after the game. They have to make that decision based on video, and if video doesn't show it, like, there's nothing you can do. Yeah. To I say mean- that that was like an invalid victory in some way or like it shouldn't have been that way, it's just like, all right, hindsight doctors, let's chill out and just like say that that was a great game and the team that didn't throw a .8 inbounds pass over their entire team's head won the game. Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of with you. Um, I was watching it live and thought it, it didn't look good in real time, so maybe that's just me. Yeah, um, but I think that part of it, if if I recall, was probably you just not really believing that Marquette could possibly well, be in the also, game. also, yes. but um, <laughs> Which I appreciate. Like, yeah. natural pessimism kicks in there, but it was amazing at the time. Yeah, I, um, I think that the Seton Hall game taught me a lot more about this team than the Creighton game did. Um, sure. I think more than anything... Um, and this has been alluded to by a lot of people on Twitter since the Seton Hall game. But, um, you know, 
the Marquette teams of the last two years don't win the last two games. Definitely, they're not. they're 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 down. They're out. I mean, the second half against Seton Hall was bad. It yeah. was it was real bad. Well, I mean, the Marquette but, teams of the last two years definitely don't win that game because the Marquette teams of the last two years couldn't survive on below average shooting, let alone no shooting, and yeah. there was basically no shooting. So they, I mean. There's there is no path to victory for recent Marquette teams in that game, but anyway, no. yeah, I mean just in general, like this is a team that probably shouldn't have won either of those games, and did or uh, shouldn't yeah. have won is different. Sh- shouldn't have won the Creighton game, I think is, yeah. is fair to say. But I mean, just based on like this the is fact a, that the win probability was point one percent. This is a this is a team that wouldn't have won, like we said, and absolutely, this is now a team that can be that tough in close games, can get tough buckets, don't need a trillion points um, from a collection of people. You know, sometimes you do need Marcus Howard to go nuclear. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, this is a team that finally has its defense intact and finally has players all over the court that can make plays so that, like, we can't talk enough about how good Theo John was this week. Yep. We can't talk enough about how good Sakar Anum was this week. Like, we finally have other guys that can step up and make plays, even if it's not putting the ball in the bucket at times, um, to get this team wins when there just wasn't those guys the last couple seasons. Yeah. um, I'm quickly going to pull up um, sort of the ending sequences of a couple of those games because I do think that there is something to be said about how uh, well Marquette um, closed those two games. Um, because uh, Marquette, and we'll start with Seton Hall, um, and then we can sort of switch gears to Creighton, sort of relive the ridiculousness of that game. Um, but Marquette was down. It wasn't that much. No, it wasn't that much, but it was to the point where they were behind. So Marquette was behind um, 58-55. That's too far back, though. Let me doing some live... Uh, work here. Miles Powell hit a three with three minutes left and Marquette was down a point. Um, and the way that they closed um, was uh, yeah, this, okay, here's what happened. Miles Powell hit a three and then Sam Hauser missed a three and Marquette had an empty possession. And so Seton Hall had the ball under three minutes and um was up by a point. So that's a potential situation where you could see it stretched to two possessions, um, or you could see it stretched to three points where you've showed um, that you are struggling to um, uh, make any threes. They didn't make a three in the second half. Um, So it could have stretched out to a really dangerous scenario. And um, what happened from there was that they got a huge stop where Miles Powell missed a shot, and Theo John um, ended up getting an offensive rebound on the next possession and converting two free throws. It's like that kind of stuff yeah. is like Theo John is going into the conference season. He's improved as a free throw shooter. He had no confidence to start this season. But for them to, um, you know, come down and, and and weather it with a stop on a Miss Miles Powell shot and have their big man who started out the season sub 40% from the free throw line uh, make a couple of free throws was huge. 
Um, and then Marcus Howard uh, used a lot of shot clock but had a three-pointer blocked. And uh, they got another stop on the other end, another Miles Powell miss. And again, Sakar Annam did a great job on Miles Powell for that game. But um, then Marquette came down and they, again, a, probably a basket they wouldn't have scored, um, quite literally because Joey Howard, Hauser wasn't on the team. But the um, sort of pass it around, pass it around, pass it around. Okay, Sakar decides he's going to take the shot and gets stuck, basically. But Joey Hauser, with the bailout cut from the heavens, um, lays it in. And it's like those kind of possessions that just weren't there last year were there again were there again and again and again in that close game and it's what makes the difference again like you said between being uh, three and one and one and three um, obviously uh, the Creighton one required a lot more good fortune um, but even in the Creighton game in overtime um, Mar- well, Marcus Howard was unconscious well Marcus <laughs> yeah yes but that game almost got to the point where the officiating was such a toss-up um, that they almost had to, you almost had to just like throw your hands up and be like, you've just got to try to grit this out as much as you can. Because as much as Marcus Howard was unconscious, um, Creighton was giving back as much as they got, even in that overtime. Creighton's shooting in that game was absurd. And for them to not be completely buried by the Marcus run was wild. I mean, Marcus ripped off 11 straight to start that overtime, and the possession after he made the shot to get to 11, Creighton made a layup to still be down four. Yeah. Like, that was, like, Creighton stayed with them throughout that, and it created uh, a scenario where Marquette, um, even like 30 seconds out of the Marcus Howard, um, you know, spasm for lack of a better term just absolute fire explosion they were still only up three points so they had to again go into a situation where they were having to salt that game away and what happened marcus marcus even missed a free throw but um joey hauser and joseph chartuni making two free throws each um a freshman who's a good free throw shooter uh experienced player which actually made me really chuckle um because clearly um pete gillen was just reading the roster that joseph chartuni was a was a uh, grad transfer and not a uh not actually having watched him play because he doesn't really uh look to like an experienced player that much this season but the two of them making those free throws um is what ended up salting the game away and it's it's those big situations where complementary players have stepped up, um, defense has held when it's needed to, um, and you know obviously huge bit of luck when Creighton three inbounds pass over everyone's head, and obviously they erased a point one percent win percentage um, to win that game. But I think that as much as sort of maybe the narrative will gel around these two, um, especially if they drop a a very winnable next, one of their very winnable next four games, the narrative might develop around this team that, oh, they got lucky to win these two games. What I would like to say is that the way that they finished those two games um, with complementary players stepping up and getting stops when they needed to 
is the hallmark of a team that uh, can finish these games and can win close games. And by that calculus is a pretty damn good team when it comes down to it. Yeah, I mean... Um, Sorry, that was long. <laughs> yeah, Pat, Pat wanted that was, to... That was, that was Pat reading and, uh, and talking, but uh, the, I got there eventually, and that's all that mattered. Yeah, I think... I mean, obviously we're all hoping that the next four games prove that it wasn't just flukes. Um, but yeah. I think out of anything, um, the Creighton game, as much luck as we want to throw into it, we still executed. Um, I mean, again... Sometimes you gotta let Marcus Howard just go, and when he can go ten of fourteen from three, uh, you can say all you want about uh, you know usage rate or however you want to try and flip it negative, whatever. I do love looking at Marcus's usage rate in those games where he goes off. It's very entertaining. It was fifty yeah. percent in the Creighton game. That's but I mean, phenomenal. he's gonna score fifty three points. Yeah, if, if you're not going to stop players that are hot from being hot. And, um, I don't know, I mean, yeah, Creighton, Creighton, we probably got away with one, but, um, people, people, teams get away with ones all the time. I mean, DePaul was up on Notre Dame by double digits and blew that one, or no, that was Northwestern, where DePaul was up on Northwestern, like, double digits and proceeded to let Northwestern go on, like, a 25-0 to run to, uh, let them not only take over the game, but win it comfortably. Like, sometimes things like that just happen, and... We can transition into the Big East after we talk about the next two games. Well, quick, quick, a shout out to um, Sam's internet best friend Alex Sindelar um, for a fantastic uh, article on Big East Coast Bias, um, a website that both Sam and I have written for it. Various points um, about uh, the sort of it was a sort of a frame by frame breakdown of um, the Creighton uh, inbounds play. Truly. If you, you know, the sort of on paper what happened, um, that Creighton blew a game that they were winning by five with one second left in regulation is mind-boggling. It's even more mind-boggling where you try to get into the mind of, is it Kashau, uh, or what is the name of that guy that they randomly put in the game? Connor Kashau, Kashaw, Kashaw, I believe is his name is just a he's he's a senior he's maybe their ninth or tenth guy off the bench and they randomly just er, excuse me ninth or tenth guy fourth or fifth guy off the bench um they randomly decided to have him inbound that ball a very odd choice yeah that was a that was a move uh, a very interesting decision and the results uh were that he Decided, I believe Alex said that he decided to turn into Joe Montana. Um, and again, it's not that Marquette covered the inbounds pass phenomenally, so he only had one choice to go over the top. He had looks, and again, there's 0.8 seconds on the clock. Literally, so, somebody has yeah, to. Yeah, if your That's bounce it. pass hits a dude, even if he's not open, like. Throw it at somebody's yeah. back. That's if all it, you gotta do. If it. If you. If Joey Hauser, no, it's not Joey Hauser because he was a deep guy. If if Sam Hauser tips the ball on the inbounds pass because the guy you were trying to throw short wasn't close and it goes out of bounds, it's still your ball and there's Just, like point one seconds yeah. left. Like I don't even know if what was going through his head there because it was out of a timeout, I believe, wasn't it? Yes, I think it was out of a timeout. I, I 
and it just like it defies explanation and then the other thing that defies explanation is what is um a martin crample not touching the ball for like it if martin crample um even if he lets it go because joey was in better position than him to go up for it and realizes instantly that it goes over his head that he needs to touch it. If he doesn't forget that he needs to touch it, he still he still could get to the ball. Like he had to pause for like a full legitimate like half second to like be able to lose the race to the ball. Yeah. And uh, it just like so much had to go wrong there and everything went wrong for yeah. them. Basketball fate does weird things and I Creighton will probably get it on the right side of it at some point during the season. So that's now yeah. a, that's now a game that I am horrified for in Milwaukee. Even sure. though we've been playing good, but they're going to want all of that back. And yeah, I mean when the teams shoot a combined, what is this math? Uh, they went thirty three of uh, sixty one. From three, yeah, it's crazy that yeah. like how how watching that game, how terrified I was of Creighton's um, three point shooting, and then to like look at the box score after the game and Marquette shot like six percent better than them from deep. That was crazy for me yeah. to look at. And it's all it's all Marcus for the most part. I well, mean, yes, Marcus attempted half of the the team's three pointers and made uh, ten of sixteen of them. Sure. So it's not like. It wasn't like a huge team yeah. effort to get the, to get that to work. That Creighton team's still gonna scare the ever living daylights out of me. The rest yeah, of the season, but they're That's... gonna do that to anybody. But the problem is they ca- they still can't guard, no. and their their numbers with the Marquette and Villanova game went astronomically bad yeah. on the defensive end. I mean, if you pull up their Ken Palm page, it is oh, it is kind of gross. Ooh. Yeah, it's Oof. really bad. Sam just pulled that up in real time. Um, so their their good stats are the best effective field goal percentage in the country. The fourth on, best on, on offense. Yes, excuse me. <laughs> best shoot effective field goal shooting in the country. Best or fourth best three point shooting. Second or thirteenth best uh, two point shooting. And then their defensive effective oh, field goal girl. percentage is two ninety six. Um, three-point shooting, 272, two-point shooting, 289. And their uh, defensive efficiency, their offensive-defensive efficiency split is now 7-175. And, again, if you are of the uh, our frequent uh, comparison that Creighton is Marquette of 2018-19. Uh, uh, no, 17-18. Seven, excuse me, 17-18. Um that is Marquette was I believe it was eight it was twelve one eighty two. They're um, on their merry and way. Creighton is seven one seventy five. What was twenty seventeen? Good lord, and they go to yeah. S- Creighton goes to St. John's next, where uh, oh yeah, a Ma- potentially healthy Shamori Pons comes oh, back yeah. after a St. John's don't lose to DePaul. That, DePaul loss. That team is uh, is not going to be able to defend St. John's on the road. No, like create that's. It's it's really really bad how bad their defense is, and as amazing as their shooting is, it almost um, it they don't really do anything well besides shoot. Like no. if you look at their four factors and components, like there's nothing good besides their shooting percentages. Um, and so while that is 
really scary and will win you some games. It will also lose you a lot of games. So this Creighton team is... Uh, I, I feel for them because I, I went through it with um, the the Rousey era, for lack of a better word. Um, and it just... It's so painful. Um, and it doesn't look like it's going to get any better for them. Um, if you saw how they played Villanova... Um, they gave up 90 points in 70 possessions against Villanova. Yeah. Uh, or, excuse me, in a 70-possession game against Villanova. Um, and, yeah, it was... That was just as bad. I mean, Villanova got absolutely in fuego from beyond the arc. Um, Phil Booth was a killer in that game. But, like, tr- like, try guarding Phil Booth with anyone on that Creighton team. Yeah. It's just like an Eric Paschal, like... Any sort of complex offensive challenge is just going to be a nightmare for that team. Oh, yeah. So, ah, man, that's enough about Creighton. This is not a Creighton podcast, yeah. but Creighton... We have what, some questions. Yeah, like, we feel for you guys yeah. because we've been there, and it's the same damn splits that Marquette has had the last two seasons being, um, you know, brought to... Resuscitated uh, yeah. down in Omaha. Um, I, I, Looking forward... Yeah. Um, do you want to, anything about Seton Hall you want to touch on before we... I mean, I was watching it. Uh, I couldn't be in the, uh, the stadium. Good crowd again. Great crowd yeah, again. Um, couldn't be in the stadium. I was uh, on the West Coast for the weekend. Um, so I watched it from a very comfy bar with a Bloody Mary and then a few more beers because shout that's out, what... Shout out Buckley's. Shout out Buckley's in Belltown in Seattle. Um, Big fan of the Queen Anne location. Uh, anyway, that notwithstanding, um, yeah, so, uh, I mean, I think I've said everything I want to say about that, um, it's probably pretty inexcusable to play as well as they did in the first half and have a 10-point lead just to let that happen, but, um, you know, you can't complain too much about the win, so, um, I've said everything I want to say about, you know, the team of last year doesn't do that when, when they usually tend to collapse, so, um, you, I don't want to run through the same points again. So. Um, it was a, a very excruciating second half um, yes. from a, from a, a, a spectator's uh, standpoint. Um, the first blow being when Ed Morrow just isn't there at all, and there's no real visual explanation for it because there was no play where it was very clear um, he got when he got hurt. I remember I typed into Twitter uh, with about 15 minutes left in the second half when he when well the the real sign was when Matt checked in with like 17 minutes left and it's like why are they going to Matt and then I looked at the bench and Ed's not there, um, and I remember typing in Twitter like Ed Morrow and no one had tweeted anything like oh that looked bad for Morrow or like where's Morrow. Um, and I was just like, it was shocking because usually an injury that knocks you out definitively for a game, there's some sort of reference point and not even like the beat writers or, you know, the people that cover the team professionally were, um, were, had anything to say about it besides Marquette's tweet just saying that he was out for the game. So that was super worrisome. And I think that might've taken the air out of them a little bit, um, because he's obviously a big defensive force. And they had a stretch in the second half where they just really couldn't get a stop. Um, and but it but yeah, it was it was really stunning how quickly that got away from them, um, and how uh, they just kind of were dead in the second half. 
Um, I think um, Theo John was probably the, you know, Marcus Howard played well. Um, Sakar played pretty well too. Yeah, it's Sakar and him and Theo John are probably the two keys because neither of the Hausers shot well. Um, they played fine otherwise, but I mean, know, shout out to like Theo John and even Matt Helt, I guess, because of the fact that uh, wow, it only lists him Matt Helt at three minutes. Considering Edmar, that seems wrong. Considering Edmaro, you know what? I don't think it is wrong because I think Matt checked in and Theo just ended up just going the rest of the way. Yeah, because he played thirty, I guess. So yeah, that makes sense. So yeah, shout out Theo John. Yeah, but um, I mean, Sakari and him, uh, five of ten from the field, but two of three from three, two of three from three point line. Yeah, Sakari making two corner threes was nice. Yeah, um, I mean a big part of it too. Uh, Theo John playing defense on Sandro. Yes. Um, so he was Sandro was one of seven from two. Yeah. For a dude bad. his size is pretty ridiculous. Sandro um, just got really hot to start the game from deep. Yeah. Um, and because he, dude, like he tried to dunk on Theo John one time. It was very yeah, ill. It was, it was it very ill advised. Yeah. He uh, he got about three quarters of the way there. Um, but no. So for me, it was like. Theo John and Sakar Annam were the two sort of unsung heroes of that game, um, and it and it, a lot of what they did didn't really show up in the box score. Um, Sakar Annam, fan, freaking tastic job on um, on Miles Powell, yeah, um, which is good because I did not think he did a very good job on Chamori Pons in New York, um, and so for him to come in and you know shut down Powell, Powell had five turnovers. Um, he slightly inefficient game, eight and nineteen from the field. Um, I, I Sakar was great. Yeah. Um, in that regard, and he was especially late in those possessions where Powell, um, was basically just trying to win the game. Um, Sakar did a great job on him. Theo John was a was a was just a man in the paint, and there was at one point where Michael Enzi was was getting, um getting a little hot at Theo and was trying to uh, maybe get under his skin a little bit. And I think consistently my favorite part about Theo John, besides the fact that he blocks literally every post-whistle shot so that other opposing shooters don't get to see it go through the rim, um, which is easily my favorite thing that he does. My second favorite thing that he does is he just kind of stands there and is his gigantic self. And these, like, I don't want to call Michael Enzi scrawny, but he's a lanky sort of, you know, longer type uh, big man. Not exactly the the powerhouse that Theo John is. Enzi's runs six eight two oh five. Theo's six nine two forty. Um, and, and Theo John is all muscle. Yeah, and like he just kind of is like when somebody tries to talk back to him, it's just like uh, he kind of just gives him the look of like really like. Do, do have you seen me like like are like okay like if you want to have this conversation I'm I'm sure we can talk let's, a little let's bit. Talk. It, it's just like anytime somebody tries to give him any sort of flack, it's just like he's not he's an immovable object in that regard. It's just like he's just like I'm the toughest guy out here. Like what are you what are you pulling at here? You're not gonna you're not gonna get anything out of this yeah and so i think that that was a big thing for he for him because that was sort of an emotional turning point um and plus he was four six from the free throw line and a lot of those free throws were late and very big um and so that was encouraging as well um i just think he um hasn't 
had a ton of spotlight. Like there, there have been a lot of games where he's only needed to play like twelve to twelve to fifteen minutes, um, and Ed Moros had a better game than him or something. Um, but this was a, a game where they needed him in that second half because of Moro being out, um, and he really came to play um, and sort of asserted his will. He was the he was the beast in the post. He was better than he was stronger and more uh, intimidating than Sandro. Um, NZ or Torian Thompson, um, and he he uh, you know had the double double, um, which was massive as well. And so yeah, I mean Marcus played well again, um, but Theo and Sakar, the unsung heroes, Sakar fourteen points again. Sakar's scoring really starting to turn a corner, which is great. Um, I mean I think the biggest takeaway I have too um, from that game, uh. It kind of got muddy for a while with the refereeing, um, which doesn't really show in the box score because it was 19 personal fouls on Seton Hall to 12 on Marquette, which is, I mean, only 12 fouls in 40 minutes is pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I forget who tweeted it out. Somebody did. But it kind of got a little muddy where officials were kind of letting everything go for a while. Mm-hmm. And instead of letting Seton Hall, who's known to be sort of very gritty and very drag the game down into the mud and play at our level of physicality and our level of chippiness to not get beaten by that, to not get unnerved by that, um, to not have stupid fouls. So, I mean, yeah, Marcus had three, Sam had three, Theo had three, the rest of the team combined had three. Nobody was in foul trouble. Yeah, no foul there was, trouble. There period. was, at no point, was anyone in foul trouble. Exactly. In that game, which is really encouraging because it's not like Seton Hall isn't no. slightly physical, which they, they are. They're not as physical as Angel Delgado's teams were, but... Yeah. They, um, somebody sat down next to me at the game, I forget who it was, and was like, no more Angel Delgado or something, and I was just like, yes, like, that's so nice. But I think that sort of does one good thing to transition into it. Um, going down the stretch, uh, fouling up three, guess what Marquette did? They that. did it. They did the thing. And as we saw with the game beforehand, I don't know, and the people sitting live in arena didn't probably know this at the time. Uh, Georgetown and Providence went to double OT, which was... Is that what happened? They didn't foul up three in that game? Twice. Providence didn't foul up three. Dude, and the Providence two, is in the sunken place right now. The two, the two freshmen of note, a big note for Georgetown, um, Mac McClung and James Akinjo, yep. each hit clutch threes. Um, McClung from like 35 feet as time expired in regulation to tie it up. Um... And then Akinjo with a couple, like two seconds left in the first OT. And then Georgetown went on to win. Yeah. So foul up three, dear God. But it also brings us to tomorrow night. So we are recording on Monday, the quick, 14th. Quick thing before we get into Uh-oh. that um, foul up three conversation. I believe I was reading Ben Steele this morning. And he said in his article that Wojo addressed that in the press conference. And Wojo said that that would not be a hard and fast rule. Um, that they will always foul up three, um, but that since Miles Powell was on the other team, they did not want Miles Powell to just chuck in a shot and beat them, which I think yeah. is, which is a fair. good rule. And I think um, with with shot makers like McClung and Akinjo in that situation, I would also be. I mean, I'm I'm pretty much always on your in your on your side there. Almost always foul up three. Um, well, I was. I'm a very recent convert, and by recent, I mean Saturday. Yeah. So, um, um, I yeah, 
uh, when I was younger, I was more of a purist because I like exciting basketball, and I was like, fouling up three really takes the air out of it. But yeah, no, I'm a foul up three person um, in most situations, and I think that it sounds like Wojo is a primarily a foul up three kind of kind of guy, but not hard and fast. Anyway, I just wanted to get that well, out there. Yeah, so further context. Note to self, foul up three against Georgetown. Yes, um, definitely. But hopefully Hope, that's yeah, not an issue. Note to self, don't be in a game where that decision matters against yeah, Georgetown. Because, uh, so we are recording Monday the 14th yep. of January, uh, so Tuesday the 15th. Uh, Marquette travel, or has already traveled to, but will play in Washington, D.C. against mm-hmm. the Georgetown Hoyas. Um, the government shutdown spectacular. Yeah. Good lord! I people get really mad at me when I we, when we play other uh, Jesuit teams, and I call it an nation situation, which oh, is the, wow. the worst of the jokes. Yeah, I would. I'm gonna get mad at you now yeah, too. Thank you for that, thank that. you for clarifying. <laughs> I was um, like I was like people get mad at me. I was like, where are you going with this? And then the like, Ignatian oh. situation, Pat. Get excited. Yeah. Um. So makes sense. Uh. I mean, players to note: uh, James Akinjo and Mac McClung. They're two freshmen who are playing out of their minds somehow. Um, Jesse Govan, of course, he's, he's been a known commodity for a while. 6'10", 255 senior who can actually still shoot a three every once in a while. Um, he didn't make first team all Big East this year? Uh, I don't think... Ah. I no, I don't. I, I think say. he did. I think he did. I have a feeling he might have, just because they probably would have wanted to put a big guy on there, yeah. and he's probably the, the legacy big guy that would be the guy to get yes. on there if it wasn't Pascal. I don't know. Sure. Um, Jesse Govan is their best player. Um, I'm I'm not here for any. I know that McClung and Akinjo are doing a lot, um, but if you look at their analytics uh, footprints, they're doing too much. Yes. Um, they have usage rates of. Uh, in terms of possessions, they've used rates of 26 and 25, respectively, and offensive ratings of 98 and 97. Which, um, don't want to see that. Yeah, and I know, obviously, this is a team that's not particularly deep, or um, the deck is not uh, really stacked in their favor because it's a real rebuilding situation. Um, but yeah, those numbers are not good for Akincho and McClung. Um, but they've been scoring a lot. Um, so it's one of those things where I think Georgetown is, um, sort of forced to rely on these two guys who are, um, undeniably talented players, um, but are a little too early in their college career to be shouldering the kind of load that they've been forced to have. Um, and so, um, what you'll probably see from Georgetown is a lot of those guys, um, I don't want to say like forcing shots or anything, but, um, those guys will have to carry a lot of the offensive load. Um, Govan is, Govan's a, a great player. Govan's, uh, yeah, uh, he's going to be a percent three point shooter. Like, gosh, he's going to be great. a mess to guard. Um, that's fine. Um, basically all you have to do in my opinion to beat Georgetown is to, like, like Govan is the definition of kind of like Ethan Happ is for Wisconsin. Like, he's going to get his. Um, and, in fact, he'll actually do less than Happ because he does like to shoot more jump shots. And by the more, I mean one per game, um, at least. But, uh, yeah, just in general, like, I don't think we're going to have a very good answer for Jesse Govan. Um, Theo John and Matt Helt will just have to be serviceable. I'm not expecting either to have great games. 
um, defensively. I'm not expecting Ed Morrow to play, period. Plus, I would be hesitant to put Ed Morrow on Govan. Um, yeah. I but, don't want to get into, like, a quality conversation about Ed Morrow, like, as far as, like, is it w- worth playing him on, on that turnaround? I just flat out, um, Marquette, um, earlier this afternoon tweeted that he's questionable. Um, given how Wojo said, like, his ankle swell- swelled up really bad, um, I, three days sounds tight. Yes. Um, for that turnaround. Um, and I think, uh, given... That it's you know okay Georgetown's two and two, um, and it's going to be a tough game because again Marquette can't play easy games on the road until no. they do they haven't told proved that they can, um, so uh, it's going to be a tough game. But again, I just don't think it's something that is you're right is worth doing if he's not 100. percent Yeah, um, um, I think uh, yeah I'll tell you that. Basically, all you have to do is play good enough defense on the rest of Georgetown that Govan doesn't beat you himself. Yeah, um, sure. And, and that's like, it's, it's a similar situation to St. John's and Shimori Ponds. It's just, A, it's a big guy, so it's going to be a little bit different. But B, he does not have the supporting cast Shimori Ponds mm-hmm. does. So, I mean, all you have to do is take... Greg Malinowski, James Akinjo, Mac McClung out of the shots they're used to taking. And, I mean, like, McClung will try and go to the rim on you. He does that. I mean, that's just part of his game plan. You have to keep him away from the lane. Keep him in front of you. Yeah, it's a lot to ask of probably... Um, well, I'm it, guessing... So I'm guessing Sakar will take Mac McClung. The nice thing is... I would... Yeah? I don't know. Simply because Akinjo... I mean... Akinjo and Marcus play similar styles of basketball and are similarly sized versus McClung's a little bit bigger, a little bit stronger, um, probably a little bit just as fast as either yeah. of them. So I would assume that Sakar is playing on McClung. I don't know. That's kind of like a difficult conversation. I'm trying to think like what the what the like determining factor there would be. McClung's a little bigger. Um, like would it would you rather have Sakar and the guy that goes to the rim or the guy that shoots from distance more? Because that's Klung is the guy that goes to the rim more and he's bigger. Akinjo, I I would almost think Sakar's gonna be on McClung, but I don't. Yeah, I think he will too. But, but I, um, yeah, I'm not sure. Well, and then uh, they have uh, Georgetown has a couple rotating decent players in there, so. Uh, like I said, Greg Molinowski is shooting forty, almost forty-five yeah. percent from three. Um, I follow a little bit of Georgetown Twitter, just a very small sliver, basically whatever casual Hoya retweets on his timeline. Um, and uh, Malinowski is a guy that has apparently come on very recently yes. and been very good for them when McClung has been out. He is a uh, a six-six senior of all things. Yeah, he's a he's a, a three-year and sit transfer from William and Mary. Oh, I knew that. That's a very weird three-year and sit. Anyway, I guess if you so, are William and Mary, you yeah. want to go play for Georgetown, but so anyway. and they're also going to have Josh LeBlanc and Jamarco Pickett and Jagon Mosley or Jagon Mosley, I should say. Um, I mean, all of them are serviceable players. I'd take them. I'd take any of our guys against them. I think. I mean, we've been trying to pound this into our heads for a while, where we've been playing against smaller teams. I think that there's going to be a lot of room here for somebody like Sam Hauser or Joey to. Yeah, get inside points. Yeah, um, but they're all kind of lanky. They're all pretty athletic. I mean, you're playing in the Big East. Georgetown has a history of recruiting these really lanky wings. It's. Um, I mean, 
Georgetown, I mean, it is what Georgetown looks like a team that's in its second year under a coach that's had to reset the program. Yeah. I mean, Jesse Govan is like the only player you'd point to where it's like established, legit, Big East guy. Yeah. Because um, the other guys are either young or kind of shaky. Yeah. Um, and, or, or, or senior new. transfers right. from William and Mary. There's not like a guy that you point to. <laughs> yeah. Yes. In the exception, in the very broad category that that is, yes. Uh, Jesse Govan is the only one you'd be like, all right, that that dude is like a legit dude in this conference. The rest yeah. of them are all kind of like either newer or you're not really sure about. So, you know, on paper, Marquette's roster is significantly better than Georgetown's, um, in my opinion, and I think just objectively. Um, but the question is, how does Marquette show up on the road? And again, I, I hate that that's going to be the question every single freaking time. Until, until we have a very convincing um, road performance. Yeah, I think I think the, the encouraging thing about the Creighton game is Marcus actually showed up. Because Marcus didn't show up against Indiana or St. John's. Yeah. Um, and that's why Marquette got killed in both of those games. And if you look at the Creighton game, um, if the Creighton game had been a three-point loss... Um, you would have looked at it like, okay, they lost again, and they could have won, but Marcus showed up, and that's why it wasn't a 20-point loss, and it was a three-point loss. Yeah. And so if Marcus shows up again, I think Marquette is a better, much better team than Georgetown. Georgetown's not going to put up the kind of shooting fight that the St. John's and Creighton put up um, in Marquette's two, first two Big East Road games. So it's a lot more manageable in that regard. Um, Providence? I mean... Well, I'm still convi- I'm still finally convinced that Providence isn't good. That's good, Sam. I'm glad you came um, around. That's brave of you. Um, obviously, like, the coaching disaster that was at Cooley's late game decision-making against Georgetown was certainly something. Yeah. Uh, Providence is currently the only team in the Big East without a win. Um, they will be coming to the serve on Sunday the 20th. Um, I mean, st- a lot of... Sort of the same story that we've seen in the Big East this year. Uh, there's some legitimate dudes on this team. Um, Alpha, Alpha, Diallo. Alpha Diallo being the the dude on this team. Yeah. Um, and an... they've really been missing AJ Reeves, uh, freshman, six six two ten freshman that was shooting before he got hurt. Forty five percent from three. Um, you know, just absolutely lighting up. The scoreboard. He's been playing really well, or had been playing really well before the injury. Um, and then there's there's some experience on here. You have Isaiah Jackson there. You have uh, Malik White, um, all being uh, upperclassmen that are in the starting lineup. Um, you have probably potentially the worst name in college yeah. sports, uh, D- David. Duke. Hey, David Duke. Uh, not great. T- talk to me for a second here. Go by Dave. Go by Dave. Yeah. Go by. Dave. Go by Dave. It's not hard. Yeah. Um, Go by Dave. I mean, I still kind of have a, a crush on Providence's roster. Um, there, there's a lot of talent here, in my opinion, but they just obviously haven't put it together. Why has um, Emmett Holt only played in six games? He's been hurt again. So, oh, man. Poor em- guy. Emmett Holt's been hurt again. Khalif- Indiana, so not too, too. Khalif Young has been minimally effective. Khalif Young, part. former Marquette target. Yes. Um, very Marquette was very in on Khalif Young. Yeah. Makai Action, Langford, and uh, Drew Edwards, both guards. Um, I mean, Providence is a little bit bigger than Marquette is, um, just uh, sort of across the lineup besides obviously having the two housers starting at the three and four is just nice. 
But um, here's my thing about Providence. Providence at home, not worried. I'm really uh, not worried. I'm going to worry a little bit because at some point this squad is going to put a game together. I I'm not certain if it's yeah, going to be. Yeah, and Ed us. Cooley's a really good coach. He's probably a top three coach in the conference. He's probably um, a top two. Yeah, I mean, I was just giving a little leeway there, that's but yeah, fair. Jay Wright's probably the only one that's definitively better uh, than him. Yeah. Um, Ed Cooley's a great coach. Alpha Diol is a great player. Uh, Providence lost at Georgetown, um, so I don't know. Um, you know, Marquette might lose to Georgetown tomorrow, but um, Providence not a team that um, I am particularly worried about. Um, you know, I I was a lot more worried about Seton Hall, um, especially because that's just a, a boogeyman game for Marquette yeah. constantly. Um, I don't know, a 11 a.m. road game on a Sunday morning is not fun. Um, I would not want to do it. Um, that is no in, in no way a reference in any way to any sort of hangover effect, literally. Um, just in general. But it's, just 11 a.m. road game just sucks. It's, it's, a, it's an early road game um, in conference yeah. um, against a team that has yet to lose at home. I mean, that's, that's, not, that's a big ask for Providence. Um, I think Marquette is the better team. I think Marquette will win. I am a little worried, but I'm not too worried. Yeah. Um, um, this is the easier of the two games. Yes, this week, I, by far. I agree with that. Georgetown is going to be a challenge just because um, kind of an exhausting week for Marquette, and they are down one of their two centers, and they have to go on the road. This that's a, that's game, a sneaky that's a sneaky tough game, but the it, Providence game shouldn't be. I don't. I yeah. I mean, I don't expect Providence to be sort of the rollover doormat, just because again, Ed Cooley's a good coach, um, and and there is talent on this roster. Yeah, but I don't expect them to be able to come and win at Marquette. I mean, Ken Palm's got it at nine as a spread. That is probably going to be Marquette's biggest spread that they get from Ken Palm for the rest of the season. Uh, probably, yes. Um, just eyeballing it quickly, DePaul coming actually is 11, um, and right. that's probably the only – and Georgetown coming is 11 as well. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, like a, a nine-point spread on Ken Palm is substantial. Um, for and, what it's worth, us away at Georgetown's a three-point spread win for Marquette. Right. So, yeah. I mean, that pretty much says what you need to say there. I mean, it's Providence, again, and just briefly, um, I'm very excited for the Dwayne Wade thing. I think that's awesome. Yes. And I'm not necessarily, like, surprised that they're doing it um, because it makes all the sense in the world to do it, but I just love that they're doing it nonetheless and that it's going to be a really cool um, sort of a celebration. Um, I don't remember Dwayne Wade. I don't ever remember being at a game where Dwayne Wade was visiting. Maybe um, maybe, maybe um, once. Maybe once, but I don't really remember that as a thing that happened all that often. Um, so I'm like really excited to see that because uh, the last two home games for Marquette have both been um, uh games where they've been able to celebrate former players. Um, Jay Crowder was at the Xavier game, and Lazar Hayward was at the Seton Hall game, um, and both of those ovations have been very cool, and I am one of those people that enjoys uh, that kind of thing, um, and I'm very excited uh, to see uh, Wade um, because, you know, as much as, um, I mean, Lazar Hayward graduated to... Zar Hayward's last season was two years before my first year at Marquette, 
Um, and so, what percentage of people, students, really know who Lazar Hayward is? Obviously, Jay Crowder is more recent, and he was in the NBA, so it was great to see his. And he's still in the NBA, so it's great to see him get that reception. But um, th- my my point is to say that there's not a person that goes to Marquette that doesn't know who Dwayne Wade is, and so that kind of uh, ovation and uh, excitement around that game is going to be great. Um, fans are going to be super psyched, um, and I don't think it will take a lot for them to get into the game as well, I believe. Yeah. Uh, it'll be a great atmosphere, and again, so I'm not particularly worried no. about Providence. Um, so hopefully we're talking to you Sunday afternoon um, with two wins, under the two more wins under the belt of uh, Marquette. Um, I guess I, I'd like to talk for about 30 yeah, seconds. I was going to say Big East. 30 seconds Big East. Um, so the Big East is currently in the process of uh, declaring war on itself. Yeah. Um, I mean... If you're not Villanova, then basically you're eating everyone else alive. Because Villanova's just cruising again, which is crazy to me. Yeah. Like, we're like, ah, Villanova's dead. Someone else is going to win the conference. Villanova is killing it. 4-0, and none of them have been particularly competitive. Yeah, and and the uh, the two that have been really challenging the last two games, you know, they opened with DePaul and Providence. Um, the, uh, the St. John's and Creighton games were freaking... Incredible wins, the St. John's one yeah. being that they gutted it out late, the Creighton one That's being true. that they just blew the doors off of them at the end of that game. Um, Nova Villanova is the scary team we remember good. them. Being. Yeah, and it's just like we did all this like hand-wringing about, like, oh, no, the Big East is different. Like, who's going to be the team in the Big East now? And it's just like, it's what did we Nova. think before the season? It was Villanova number one, and then we talked ourselves into Marquette second. And what does it look like right now? Villanova number one and Marquette in second. Yes. So it's just like... The rest of the conference is just eating yeah. at themselves. Sneak, just... Sneaky things right now about the conference is that uh, DePaul is two and two. Um, that should probably never happen. Uh, yeah, St. John's is two and three, uh, and Xavier of all teams who looked listless. Yeah, what the heck? <laughs> um, so Xavier has very much been the product of they've played only play, they played Georgetown at home, yeah. Butler at home. Uh, Butler at home, they won by one after Butler completely kicked that game away. Yeah. And then they beat DePaul away. Um, it's it's interesting, and again, it's only four or five games in. Actually, Providence case, only three. Um, but uh, it's interesting that um, there were sort of six teams that have been discussed after the non-conference ended as the teams that... Um, more potential tournament teams, and three of them, St. John's, Butler, and Creighton, are below the three of the teams not involved in that group, Xavier, Georgetown, DePaul, yeah. um, in the standings right now. Uh, it's very marginal, and I'm not sure it'll hold, um, but I think that's interesting sure. to talk about. Um, who, I guess, who are you most scared of outside of Villanova right now, if you had to put your finger on it? Oh, man. I mean... St. John's is our boogeyman now, I yeah. think. Um, I think it's St. John's for me, too. They just, if they can play any defense and Pond stays healthy, I think they're better. Exactly. DePaul beating St. John's. Um, Was without Shamori. And, again, we talked about this with St. John's. They're a team that really plays, like, five or six deep. And so to not have Shamori Pond's complete, like, he's their best player, but then also they don't have any depth. Yeah. So, like, they're playing one, maybe two really, other guys. Really, really just handicaps them in a way that 
you know, would lead to you losing to DePaul. And it's unfortunate that they got so dinged in the ranking system this yeah. week because I really thought they played a really close game against Villanova. Um, and coming off of the Marquette win, I thought that they would get a little bit more respect than that. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I'd say I'm most worried about them sure. out of any team. I, I agree with that. Um, and then with a final a final note before uh, we, we get out of your hair, podcast, eardrums, whatever. Um, <laughs> Ear hair. What a shut up, Pat. Um, <laughs> so, uh, what do you think the NCAA tournament outlook is? Um, we're not going to guess seed lines or anything, but if you had to guess right now, what teams from the Big East are going to the NCAA tournament? What uh, what teams would you pick? Um, I would say that for sure, um, Marquette, Villanova, and St. John's are tournament teams. I would lean to Seton Hall being a likely tournament team um, because of how you know they've been in every game that they've played um and um i would say that butler is a disaster right now so butler has to really turn it on for me to uh, come around to them they're sort of right now a lot of i think a lot of the mock brackets have them in that sort of like next team out sort of parody or uh purgatory excuse me um and uh creighton is on a um streak of losing the coin flips of having a really good shooting team and no defense so if they can start winning a few of those coin flips i think that they can be a tournament team but i would say i'm leaning towards four to five um um pretty confident about four very confident about three sure um but yeah i don't know and um villanova probably at this point ending up as the top seed in the conference sure. no offense marquette I'd, I'd like them to be but nova looks really so good right now. uh just for reference i think i agree um i think i have right now four i think four teams will definitely go um i think it'll be i think seton hall will go i think st john's will go i think villanova will go i think marquette will go um i still see paths in for butler and creighton Right now, I think they're on the outside looking in. However, um, for what it's worth, uh, Bracket Matrix Project um, does have both uh, Creighton and Butler as 11 seeds. um, Sort of in Creighton getting basically the last buy and uh, Butler being in the first four. Uh, so that's just interesting to see. Um, I mean, Creighton is yeah. in 40 of the 65 brackets they use. Butler's in 40 of the 65 brackets they use. Um, both hovering anywhere between the 10 to 12 seed line. So um, there's that. Uh, just to consider. Um, I think... Oh my god, Duke might be about to lose in overtime. Yeah, to Syracuse, which is going to be the most annoying wait, thing. Wait, wait, can I, can, I, can I publish my take? Can I publish my take? Uh-oh. I texted Sam a take I had about Duke about 20 minutes before we started rec- recording this podcast. Um, that Duke is good, not great. And I know that Duke is the most talented team in the country, and I'm actually a sort of a, a childhood Duke fan. Also, also checking scores, Maryland's beating the Badgers by 28. God Or no, bless- not 28. Excuse me. Excuse me. 18. God 18. bless you, Maryland. It's fine. 18. Uh, oh my God! Try to do that math Florida quickly. State, as we speak, Florida State lost by thirteen at Pitt. Oh man! Wow, that was called reading the scoreboard. That will be outdated by the time you listen to I this. I am not okay with but, Pitt uh, almost being decent again. To wrap my Duke take, a uh, good, not great. Uh, I think that they're the be- most talented team in the country by far because of the three freshmen. 
Um, but I think um, in an actual um, what they play like on the court, there are um, significant. Um, there are teams like Tennessee and Michigan, are, are two that I really feel confident about, that uh, play uh, to a higher level um, as sort of a sum of their parts. Um, uh, Duke is very good, and Duke might win the ACC. Um, I think Virginia is probably going to win it just because Virginia's style just stifles people. Yeah. Um, but uh, And if Cam Radish and Trey Jones are both going to be out extended minutes... Trey Jones went down in the Syracuse game this evening. Trey Jones got hurt? Um, I'm not sure if he's back on the court as I speak, but he, I did, like get, Trey Jones. But he did get hurt. Um, if Reddish was out sick today. I'm a big Tyus Jones guy. So Also, the picture on ESPN.com makes Zion look really fat, and I don't like it. But that notwithstanding, um, I, anyway. think, I think I agree with your take. I think, um, I mean, obviously, you can't say Duke isn't the talent, most talented team in the country. In terms of just pure raw talent on the roster, um, Beeline is coaching the hell out of Michigan. Uh, Dude, Beeline is Beeline. I'm is not okay with the fact that Virginia great. and Bennett Ball is good, but they are, and I can't yeah. deny it. Virginia, Virginia being good is uh, something that we're gonna have to talk each other into again, or as a, as a nation, as a college basketball nation, we're gonna have to talk our, ourselves into it. I'm okay if they lose to another 16 seed. I despise Bennett Ball. I hate it. Nope, it's bad. Nope, official stance of the anonymous like Tony po- Bennett. I said, nope, official stance of the anonymous single podcast is that Bennett Ball is bad. I mean, given that Bennett Ball derived directly from the University of Wisconsin, it's I'm bad. okay with saying that it's bad. However, I'm a big Kyle Guy fan. I'm a big Ty Jerome fan, and I how think- did Kyle Guy get out of Indiana? I want to know. That's a great question. Dude, like, like, seriously, the University of Virginia seems like a really nice place, though. So, well, yes. If you if you grew up in Indiana, I'd imagine that that Virginia campus seems um, like a very uh, good place to go. Anyway, this got really derivative. Um, Golf hope, basketball. Uh, Marquette's next four games should be all four wins. Will they all be four wins? Eh, probably not. But hopefully they are. Hopefully we come back with two more wins in the pocket next. And week. we'll talk to you halfway through the, that four game stretch, and we shall see. Um, hopefully the Badgers lose by twenty five. Yep, always cheering for the Badgers to lose by 20. Talk to you soon.